make that three straight losses for the Bears. I feel like I've said that about, about five or six times today simply because I was recording two YouTube shows with our guy Max Smith. We recapped the 49ers game in one about an hour later because we need to. I needed a nap. Max needed some dinner. We recapped the NFL trade deadline and the Bears not doing anything. Those are probably up by the time you're listening to this on a Wednesday morning. So go check them out. But what's up, guys? We're back again. Welcome into the weekly Fireside Bears podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You guys know me, the host. I'm Usaid Koshu. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshu. Check out my co-hosts, Sam Stevenson and Joseph Herf. You can follow them on Twitter at ShySportsSam and at Joseph Herf NFL. Sam obviously got the hoodie memo, but he's also wearing a cowboy hat. We're in the fall slash winter now guys so it's going to be hoodie season on here so if you're not wearing a hoodie i'm probably just going to kick you off the podcast no. joe's ashamed that he's not wearing a hoodie so he decided Shame. to turn his camera off which is just quote for um i didn't totally didn't get the memo but he's saying his camera isn't working i don't know why joe decides to dress as lucas from one tree hill every single year i mean reduce reuse recycle at its finest for mr herf sam's dressed as a cowboy for halloween but he could very easily pass for a cow probably like sam stevenson or woody or even marty mcfly i don't know but guys what's up enough with me i mean are we gonna get this podcast started or what well, wow, this this seems like the burial of Joe Herf here. Yeah, for no reason. How do you know? I'm, well, I, I think, know I, I, think put on a I think it's. I could I have put on a hoodie valid. right now. I think it's valid. No, I think the slander is valid. I wear. You know what? It's kind of funny because I wear a hoodie to the gym every day. This is the one day I took off from the gym, like in forever, at least during the week. I normally am consistent going Monday, Tuesday, you know, through Friday. And then today I was like, you know, like I'm gonna go home, relax. I got a long day of work tomorrow. I'm gonna not go to the gym, so I didn't have a hoodie on and. And here we are. Nah, I, I actually have one on. You just can't see it. But um, yeah, sure. With, exactly. with the Lucas Scott thing, you know, I mean, it's an easy costume. Girls love One Tree Hill. What's wrong with the Lucas Scott costume? I don't, I don't see a problem here. It's a cool basketball jersey if you look it up. Yeah, the fact that you had to say girls love it just all but confirms that you're the dude in the friend group that's probably on every single dating app, but like still can't find anyone. That's, you know, um, that's you. I can't find anyone, but I'm also not on every dating app. I don't use that. Yeah. That is just you said it's just drag. We are two minutes into the podcast. I've done nothing wrong. I've I've been yeah. a I've been a nice guy. I've just been slandered. And unnecessary have, slander, like Jesper Horse said. And, and we still have to talk about the Bears. This is a we're off the all all cylinders ago here. Anyways, so we're gonna move on from me slandering Herf, which is also becoming a weekly thing. I mean, I'm gonna bounce it to uh, you know Holly Jolly Herf here because they started playing Christmas carols at uh, Jewel Osco, the local grocery store. For those of our listeners that are in like India, China, Japan, Ireland, Scotland, Africa, all over the world, because we have an international fan base, we're certainly moving up in the world, Sam. And you were one of my original homies that helped me start this pod before we rebranded. But Herfy Herf, yeah, what do we learn in this loss to the 49ers? Because the only thing I learned was that the Bears defense stinks when Khalil Mack's not around but we'll get to that in a moment but what'd you learn Herf um I mean we kind of learned what we all we just kind of got verified what we already knew the Bears don't really have a shot of being anything this year I mean we obviously as the trade deadline just passed we should have been sellers because of it besides the point we'll get into that more but just it's just this team has no identity that game just showed evidence of it 
Um, our team loves to implode near the end of games. It just seems like we didn't learn a whole lot outside of, yeah, we need Khalil Mack pretty bad. Um, Eddie Jackson catches a lot of slander. I, I don't think we're going to talk about that much today, but when, as soon as he came out, we, our defense definitely took a big hit too in terms of just them getting a lot more explosive plays for bigger gains, a lot of running plays, a lot of, I mean, we saw that 80 yard screen just, yeah, it was uh it was a tough one. Yeah. I don't really have a ton more to add to that. Um, I think uh, defense definitely looks defeated um, and this group's definitely declining. I mean, I've alluded to it. I know I'm not the only one who's alluded to it, but ultimately all good things must come to an end. Um, and this is a Bears defense that's been starting to be built since probably you can go back to 2017, even when the Bears only won a few games uh, with a rookie quarterback as well um, with Mitch Trubisky. Um, but, you know, ultimately the moves were made to try to, you know, build this defense to a Super Bowl caliber defense. And probably you could even start pointing back to 2019 when you could see this defense start to decline. And here we are in 2021, no Super Bowl underneath our, our belt that we can claim as our own. And the defense can't stay perfect forever. Um, you know, the Bears, again, as Joe alluded to, didn't make any moves today at the trade deadline. Um, even though you guys will be listening to this on Wednesday, it is still Tuesday. Um, one positive I will take away from this game is uh, I think Justin Fields looked a lot better uh, on Sunday. I um, ultimately didn't get to watch all of the game. I had to work, but I went back and, and watched a lot of it uh, and kind of went through all the highlights and stuff on Monday. Um, I think this was a big uh, step in the right direction for, uh, for Fields. Um, you know, I think ultimately he still has a lot of stuff he needs to work on, but this was a really good game out of him. I mean, nothing crazy. I think the touchdown run was incredible um, just to go to show you, maybe let this guy run a little bit more. Um, but what we learned is kind of what we've known since probably I would say the loss to the Packers, maybe even this team's not a Super Bowl contender and, you know, we're in no man's land once again with the bears, which is nothing new. So a um, lot of negatives, but I thought fields took a lot of really big strides on Sunday. Um, he looked a lot better than he has looked in previous weeks. Uh, and uh, that's always an exciting thing. Cause that's ultimately the goal is, it's not about the record and stuff. It's about your rookie quarterback actually developing. So maybe we can finally stop acting like a poverty franchise and be a good team. Dude, like Justin Fields could develop into a phenomenal quarterback and the Bears would still be a poverty franchise because they would fail to build around him. And then he would be like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in the sense that he would be the reason the Bears win games consistently, but then just get bounced out in the first round of playoffs. But no, I thought there was a lot we learned. Okay. So if you look at Justin Fields, and I mentioned this on our YouTube show, so I'm going to mention this again. When you look at Justin, what was he at Ohio State? He was always a quarterback that was like Russell Wilson in the sense that he'd always go deep to short with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, which, by the way, two really phenomenal players, the best wide receiver duo in the league or in the college football, I should say. But the reason I bring that up is because if you saw this game, you saw that there were probably six or seven passes when you look at Justin Fields' chart that didn't go like beyond 20 yards right now if you look at justin i mean as i pull the tweet up here look at that passing chart what you're seeing basically is most of his throws were all under 20 yards okay when you look at it i mean there were what one that went past 15 yards there's another that was about 14 yards then you had one two three four five six of them they including one that was like a throw of like 35 
yards that was incomplete down the field. And that doesn't include the interception. So it's just like you look at it. I mean, all of Justin's throws were for the most part under 15 yards. And the reason that's significant is because I thought that this was the game where one of the biggest issues we had with Justin Fields, and I'll let Joe go here in a moment, is that he would hold on to the ball too long. He wasn't processing fast enough. He wasn't getting the ball out quickly. And I think this was the game where you kind of saw, okay, you know what? There was some progress from Justin. And I mentioned this last week against Tampa Bay as we break down Justin's development each week here on the podcast. I mean, what was an issue with Justin early in the season? He would take off with his legs. He would run. You saw that 4-3, 40-yard dash on display, that speed. And what would happen? He would basically try and go ahead and spin and then, boom, get absolutely clocked and then be down on the ground. But what have we seen the last two weeks? We've seen that, yeah, Justin takes off and he runs, but then he's also willing to slide. So the point is, is that you're seeing more and more of this growth and you're seeing Justin's realizing, hey, these guys such as Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Allen Robinson, who's a possession receiver, Demir Bird, who's a speedster. You're seeing Justin more and more realize that, yeah, you know what? As great as it would be to have those 30, 40, 50 yard passes down the field and spark this offense on those those go routes and those post routes and those deep crossers. That's just not realistic right now. I'm just going to have to cater and adapt my game to what this offense is doing, which is going to be these short and intermediate throws, which again is totally fine too, because sometimes the big plays are fancy, but sometimes it's also better to go ahead and just take what the defense is giving you. Yeah. I like that you kind of brought up that, that secondary and what we were doing in the passing game. Cause I wanted to kind of touch on that. I know I talked about how we learned about, Basically, our defense from that game. But on the offensive side of the ball, we did learn a lot from Justin Fields as usual. Um, he did take strides. He looked very efficient. Uh, I believe he was the most efficient quarterback outside of garbage time out of any quarterback in the in the league uh, this past week. So very solid overall game by him. Um, but I would have liked to see, see more shots taken. This was, I believe, before this game, the secondary was the most penalized secondary in football. And it would have been nice to see them take a little more deep shots uh, get Allen Robinson one-on-one going deep and have him get a jump ball. It, most of the time he comes down with those, and if he doesn't, he's going to be getting penalized for it too. Again, there were some flags that the refs were missing in terms of some of those pass interferences like Cole Komet uh, in the end zone, getting his arm held back by Warner, which again, it's a toss-up. It could have been a flag, could have not been, but regardless, it would have been nice to see more shots taken. That's not a Fields issue. That's more, again, no surprise, a coaching issue, but I will agree with you, Fields, and his processing ability, his ability to get the ball out quick and uh, identify who's the open receiver and who the target should be was pretty spectacular. I saw saw a video on Twitter today. I believe it was from, I want to say it was from Adam Hogue. I think he he put a gif up of Fields throwing in a slant route to Mark. He's going to refit into this incredible window of like three defenders. And it was, it, again, it looks like a, a small thing, but when a rookie quarterback does that, it shows he processed the field well. He knew what the coverage was giving him and he made the correct throw quickly. Uh, without making a mistake. So overall, progress from there. Can't complain for the long term. This year is just it's just tough for this year. Uh, yeah. To to your point, I think that was Kevin Fishbane. But that's right. Um, that's but right. yeah, no, I, I I did see that clip too, and and obviously that's very encouraging. That's why you bring a guy like Marquise Goodwin who has that element of speed. Um, not a too much more I can add here. Um, uh, only other things that we've learned is uh, Cairo Santos is worth every single penny. Um, he is just one of those players that isn't appreciated enough. Um, you know, obviously it's always fun to think about when the bears had 11 kickers on the roster in 2019 and now it's no longer the issue. It's just, you know, everything else. 
Um, it's very clear that the Bears are a uh, very front-loaded team. What I mean by that is use a guy like Khalil Mack, um, you know, you know, guys in these positions that are supposed to be kind of your star players. And there's not really a lot of great depth. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of positions this year that the Bears did not really look much more into. And, and ultimately, you know, that's the way things are when you pay guys the amount of money you pay for, you know, guys like Eddie Jackson and keeping guys like Jimmy Graham, but it is what it is with that regard. Um, I don't know why I think, I know I think he was hurt for a week or two. I don't know why Jesse James is getting more involved on offense. He's been, you know, obviously I know it's been a very limited amount of snaps, but his connection with fields, even in the preseason has been fantastic. And ultimately the bears are going to continue to probably use more tight ends, especially with Jimmy Graham coming back from the COVID list this week. I don't know why we're not giving the guy more snacks. I understand he's the tight end three, but I mean, his, his catch for that touchdown was unbelievable. I know fields put that in a really, really good position, a uh, really good place for him. And, and Jesse James made an absolutely fantastic play on that. I know that's a small thing, but you know, when there's so much negative, it's, it's always nice to highlight guys like that. I thought he had a very solid performance on Sunday. Um, you know, I think ultimately a lot of the, you know, things that happened, you can always kind of relate back to the fact that the Bears had an interim head coach on Sunday. Ultimately was, was coach Tabor a lot better than coach Nagy. I think it's, you can debate that against the wall. I don't think you're ever going to come up with a good answer. Um, we'll see if Nagy coaches this uh, Monday night against the Steelers, but yeah, not really a whole lot else to add. I think this is a, you know, I didn't think anyone thought this was going to be the years for the bears, but you know, they're three and five and still in the playoff hunt on, you know, ultimately. They still are in the playoff hunt, but I think losing to four teams in the NFC, and that's going to be Los Angeles, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco at this point just doesn't bode well for the Bears. I mean, look at the Bears right now, and I think it's certainly interesting because this is a team that everyone, I mean, at least for those of us that had an inside read on the team, we kind of expected things to go like this. I mean, look, if you take, and this I know is going to be cherry picking, but the Bears should really, the Bears have in every single game this season, except week four against the Detroit Lions, they should have been the worst team. I mean, you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals. If the Bears played the Bengals right now, the Bears would get their teeth kicked in. If the Bears played the Raiders right now, and there wasn't any of that John Gruden drama, hey, guess what? The Bears would probably get their teeth kicked in. So you're looking at a team that's really only a one or two win team right now, but the Bears are lucky to be sitting at three and five. And Sam, you mentioned a moment ago, Khalil Mack. I mean, you're right. That's an excellent observation because the Bears are so front loaded to the point where it's like this team plays, can't afford to play any football where there are mistakes made as I gather my thought process there, but the bears have to play mistake free football every single time. And I think we saw on Saturday as I'll let you go first here, Sam, just how important or on Sunday, we saw how important Khalil Mack was to the bears defense, because you look at the Jimmy Garoppolo, you look at the 49ers, Jimmy G had all day to throw the bears for the second consecutive week, got zero sacks. And I think it's really telling that Khalil Mack's covered up a lot of holes on this bears defense. Maybe just maybe. And I tweeted this out. We were overrating Robert Quinn's resurgent year, as well as Akeem Hicks coming back fully healthy. Cause ultimately I think that, those two failed to perform on Sunday. And if they were as good as we were making them out to be, they certainly would have showed up and performed, but they didn't. And so it really, I think, brings up the question of, hey, how important is Khalil Mack to this Bears defense, Sam? 
yeah, zero sacks, zero turnovers, over 400 yards uh, of offense for the 49ers on Sunday. I mean, that's inexcusable. And ultimately, I understand, like, you, there are other injuries to the Bears defense. I get that. But, but the importance of Khalil Mack, I mean, you traded all of that draft capital to the Raiders all those years ago because you knew how valuable the piece is. You look back at the Bears in 2018, it was arguably their, their splashiest move and probably one of the splashiest move of Ryan Pace's uh, you know, tenure here as a general manager. And the impact that it had because you know the Bears thought they had something with Mitch Trubisky at, and they were building the pieces for a roster that can make a playoff run. And to this day, I still think that that Bears 2018 team could have made it to at least the NFC Championship game had it not been for a very unfortunate uh, event during a playoff game that I'm not going to talk about. But Khalil Mack was such a key part of that role, and he still is such a key part of the defense. I mean, teams scheme for him, teams prepare for him, teams double-team him, linemen have to hold him. Um, It's one of those things where, um, and as you said, continues to roast Joe in the comments. I'm going to keep going. Um, He creates opportunities for players like Robert Quinn, Robert Quinn, excuse me, like Akeem Hicks and other guys, you know, who are able to be successful, you know, like guys like Bilal Nichols and Mario Edwards Jr. And when you don't have a guy like that on the outside, it's very, very difficult to find someone to replace him. And, you know, he is going to go down as one of those guys who, you know, former defense player of the year, probably one of the better guys at his position. Um, And, you know, you traded so much for him because of that. And even though this team is not competing for a Super Bowl anytime soon, like the impact of watching a mediocre 49ers offense at best put up that many uncontested yards. I mean, an 80 yard screen pass, like stuff like that. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, Ultimately, does Khalil Mack change anything for that regard to that specific play? No, but that the defense got gouged. I mean, they just couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stay off the field. You know, they couldn't stop the 49ers from scoring. And I just think that ultimately Khalil Mack is just that presence that could he have had a huge impact in this game? Maybe, maybe not, but you'll never know. So him not playing, it, it's detrimental to the defense that is already kind of starting to struggle a little bit. I mean, they've let up what, like over probably close to 70 points in the past two weeks. And, you know, the 49ers offense isn't on the same level as the Buccaneers. So he was definitely missed to keep things, you know, wrap things up here. Yeah. The thing with Kulomak too is he, at the very least, he makes everybody around him better. There's a reason why he makes had a career year. His first year with Kulomak back in 2018, believe he had like double digit sacks, pro bowler, stud, There's a reason why Eddie Goldman plays better. Everybody on that defensive line, even in the linebacker core, even in the secondary, all play better because of Kalomak. Because Kalomak disrupts anything from a run to a pass. So, especially on those pass rush plays, when he gets in close to a quarterback and flusters the quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, who normally gets flustered easily when there's pressure, it creates opportunities for interceptions. And since he wasn't kind of there to do that, I mean, obviously, yes, you expect Robert Quinn to do better. You expect guys like... Travis Gibson to step up, Akeem Hicks, other guys like that to also step up. Obviously, when that's the case, the secondary is going to get scorched more. And even on top of that, like when it comes to stopping the run two from an outside linebacker standpoint, Travis Gibson and Robert Hunter both are not run-stopping outside linebackers. Sure, they'll make plays sometimes, they'll stop the run sometimes, but they do not, again, have the presence of a Khalil Mack who can shed blocks very easily, who can set the edge extremely well. It's just Kolomak is such, again, he's amazing at whatever he does when it comes to dropping the coverage, rushing the passer, stopping the run. 
he does everything very well, and there's nobody like him. When you lose a guy like that, it's going to destroy your defense. Now, should we have given up that many points to the 49ers just because he was out? No. Obviously, Eddie Jackson being out hurt as well, but still, we should not be getting those kind of points, regardless of him and Eddie Jackson being out. Yeah, so when, I mean, you, you guys are both right with pretty much everything you hit on, and uh, and I'm going to add this whole dimension in. I think that as fans, the last two years, people got so caught up in seeing the fact that Khalil Mack did not have double-digit sacks because he had 12 and a half his first year in Chicago. People got so caught up on the lack of sacks from Khalil Mack. I think that people are almost forgetting that the last two seasons, he was legitimately battling both back and knee injuries, and that this year he was still out there with a hobbled foot for a couple games and still going 100%. And then it got too bad to the point where the Bears are like, all right, you know what? It's just better for us to shut you down now for a couple of weeks with the bye week coming up here in about two weeks so that when we do have that stretch against the Ravens and the Lions to round out November, you're fully back and you're healthy. But the reason that it's important is because I think that we saw, right, there were no sacks on Sunday. There were no quarterback hits, absolutely zero pressures. And those are things that no one talks about when it comes to pass rusher play, right? Those are the stats that nobody finds fancy. And why? Because you get paid through number of sacks. You don't get paid through like quarterback hits, hurries, or pressures. And so ultimately, I think that those were some things that were really missing. And those are certainly things that Khalil Mack, the hits, the hurries, the pressures that he brings on every single play. And I mean, Sam, you hit the nail on the head as well. You're looking at a defense that's basically benefited as the result as a result of Khalil Mack. I mean, let's flash back all the way to 2017. The Bears won five games that year. They finished that season ranked 10th overall in total defense and everyone was like okay this defense is on the rise which if you look at that defense there were some really nice pieces you had Akeem Hicks Eddie Goldman Danny Trevathan was continuing to be a stud at his position for that time because he was like 28 29 years old you had Kyle Fuller Eddie Jackson the whole thing was on an upswing and everyone kind of thinks that the Bears defense took off the moment they got that solid off-ball linebacker and Roquan Smith and the moment Khalil Mack landed but I think that Khalil Mack came in and he took that defense from great to really being an elite unit. And make no mistake, can this be an elite unit? Yeah. But we also have to keep in mind is that like the offense, the defense needs to play mistake-free football. And the mistake-free football, I think, comes in just in the sense that you have a weak secondary where Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson are your only two legitimate defensive backs. And I'll address Eddie Jackson in a moment here because, Joe, you mentioned him briefly. But it's like you have these two solid defensive backs and you have the rest of these guys. And it's like, if you don't have a strong, consistent pass rusher masking those holes in that secondary, what's going to happen is this is your defense is going to get exposed and the bears defense legitimately got exposed on Sunday. I mean, if you watch the 49ers game plan, go back and look at the all 22, what you saw the whole game after Eddie Jackson went down was the middle of the fields wide open. Eddie Jackson can't tackle to save his life. He can't tackle to earn the 14 and a half, million that he's going to be earning in a couple years here he can't do that but what he is good is this he's really solid in coverage to the point where a quarterback like a Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to legitimately account for him and those slants that you saw those inside crossers where Roquan Smith was basically trailing running back Elijah Mitchell to shut him down that was a void in the middle of the defense that traditionally would not be there 
if Eddie Jackson didn't hurt his hamstring and then was marked as like doubtful or questionable to return. But Joe, go ahead. Why is Eddie Jackson important? I'm glad you brought that up because I literally had that exact same conversation with my coworkers today was as soon as Eddie Jackson went down, that middle of the field got absolutely exposed. And again, I have gone after Eddie Jackson, not personally. I have gone after the idea of Eddie Jackson multiple times on Twitter, articles, even this podcast. And I still back my point. He does not deserve the money the way he tackles, the way he stops the run. He doesn't deserve that. But teams do respect his ability in the secondary. He is great instinctive. Um, he's very instinctive in, in the... Sorry. When he's playing safety, he's very instinctive when he's playing center field, when he's kind of in the box, kind of everywhere. He always kind of has a good idea of where that quarterback is going to look, where he's going to go. And because of that, quarterbacks always scheme to go away from him. They always kind of look away from wherever he's at, and they kind of target the opposite side of the field. Again, when he's being targeted, he's normally giving up a lot. He, he has been absolutely, absolutely horrible technically in coverage this year when he's been targeted, but He's not being targeted a ton because they know that at any time, if the ball gets popped up in the air, Eddie Jackson's on that ball. He is explosive when that ball's in the air and he gets on that ball. He's an easy touchdown from at least in the years past. So teams have to respect that. As soon as he comes out and you have a guy like DeAndre Houston Carson or Tease Tabor in, it's not, that's not even close to the same. The drop-off of talent between those kind of players is huge. And again, Love DeAndre Houston Carson, amazing asset to the team, amazing backup, amazing special teamer. He's not even close to the caliber of the kind of player that Eddie Jackson is. Well, and you and you alluded to it perfectly. I'm just going to add something really quickly here, and then we can go on our next thing. But but he's a great special team player. He's a great backup. But that is his role. That is what he is paid to do for the Chicago Bears. He is not paid to be the starter on this defense, play the snaps that Eddie Jackson's supposed to play. He comes in in certain schemes. And he makes plays in the limited opportunities that he has when he has to play. I mean, there's plenty of guys who have been like that, who were good rotational pieces. They understood their assignment. They go and they play somewhere else. And they have an expanded role and things don't work out. And I think ultimately, like you take away the fact that Eddie Jackson has struggled with things this year and take away the fact that Bears fans demanded for him to be traded, even though he literally is the most untradeable player in the NFL right now. Like he's not going anywhere. Bears fans. Um, he's still better than the other options behind him. And when you're a defense, don't even think about it from the Bears perspective. When you lose a starter, you're automatically not going to play as well because other guys have to pick up the slack. And the 49ers exposed that. They were able to expose the Bears because they knew we no longer had that guy in the middle who can make plays. Every defense would struggle in theory when you lose those guys. And the Bears don't really have a good replacement on that on their roster to replace Eddie Jackson. You, you can simplify it as clear as that. Like go back to the Khalil Mack discussion we were having a few minutes ago. Like the Bears ultimately don't have anybody who plays in the same level as Khalil Mack and does what Khalil Mack does. It's the same thing when Roquan got hurt in the playoffs and we were playing uh Matai Tail. Like Matai Tail was nowhere near on the same level as Roquan Smith. When you lose those guys that you have in those set positions, even if they're not necessarily having a great year, it's still going to impact your defense overall. So even a guy like Eddie Jackson, who's been receiving a lot of criticism is better than all of our other options because he plays to the role that the bears need him to. He may not always do it successfully. And yes, his tackling frustrates me, but teams respect him to your point. So again, you can compare it to any other injury the bears have. This is a very front loaded bears defense. I've, I alluded to it earlier. 
Yeah, you're right. It, it really is a front-loaded defense. And so it's just like, I think, look, like Eddie Jackson is to coverage as Khalil Mack is to pressures and sacks and quarterback hurries, which I know I'm kind of sounding repetitive here, but let me just go ahead and clarify. It's almost like this, right? Where it's like, there's no way to really go ahead and measure or numerically measure coverage. Okay. Just like you can count pressures and hits and knockdowns, all that stuff. But ultimately it's just like, there's no way to numerically measure coverage. And so ultimately when you look at it, you realize that you never really know whether a player is doing as good as other people may think in coverage, but for a guy like Eddie Jackson, you look at him, you know that he's always solid in coverage. Now, moving on from the defense here, I mean, look, there were moves all across the NFL. You got the Rams basically going all in on the Super Bowl and saying, forget about draft picks. Let's go ahead and trade for Von Miller, which I don't know if I should be happier said that the Bears decided to play the Rams in week one of the regular season and not right now because that would be an absolute bloodbath. And I would so much be calling for Andy Dalton to start to protect Justin Fields, but that's not the point. I think that when you look at the trade deadline, guys, Ryan Pace has been the GM for seven years. He's made one move, which was back in 2017 to acquire Dontrell Inman from the then San Diego Chargers for basically what was a conditional draft pick. I mean, Joe, let's go to you on this one. Thoughts on the Bears not making any deadline moves. Was it worth it? Was it not worth it? Is there a common theme or something that you're seeing here with Ryan Pace? What does this mean for Ryan Pace? Yeah, that was moronic. I don't know why we didn't trade anybody. There are ten, a ton of people on this roster that likely won't be here next year. Um, Sam and I actually kind of talked about it on the timeline on Twitter. Um, we're probably not going to get compensation picks. I mean, maybe somehow we do, but there's an enormous chance that we do not. So letting guys like Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, possibly Jimmy Graham, all these kind of guys walk in free agency instead of trading them for picks, that's just stupid. Like, I don't know why we didn't... Akeem Hicks, especially, like a team like the Chargers would have been absolutely perfect fit for him with his defensive line coach, Jay Rogers, there, and Brandon Staley there, and they've been getting gashed on the ground against the run. Like, you'd think they need somebody like Akeem Hicks on the roster, and it's, again, perfect fit. I would have taken, like, a fifth-round pick for Hicks because, again, we need draft picks. Hicks is not here next year. Let's get value for a player that's not helping this team while we can Again, Hicks is a monster. Nothing against him. We just, we're, the season's over. Like, we have no shot of, we're not going to win a Super Bowl. What's the point of winning games at this point? It, it just seems like they, again, it seems like the front office, along with Matt Nagy in general, too, like this entire team just has no identity. They don't know what they're doing. Like, they're just sitting and they're just saying, like, all right, maybe this will correct itself at some point. Like, let's just keep doing the same thing. And at some point, it will fix itself and we're not going to change the thing. It's just that's what it seems like the entire team is doing from a scheme standpoint to a players in general standpoint when it comes to lineups, like who's starting and who's playing and who lines up where. And in terms of what we're doing with the team, we're not we're not bringing new competition. We're not changing up. We're not moving people up and down the practice squad to try and get new players in there. Like we're not doing anything different. And we're just like being repetitive and hoping it's eventually going to work. And it's not like it's obviously not going to keep working. It hasn't worked for the past two years. Here's, here's what I'll say. I have a couple of thoughts uh, overall, not really that surprised. Um, you know, you have a general manager and a head coach who jobs are on the line and, and you know, Pace's hands might've been tied. Yeah. I think ultimately that's probably not the case. He's known to be aggressive 
And I'm actually surprised he didn't trade things away to acquire more players. Um, I, I think that when you look at the Bears situation, I, I definitely agree. It, it, it feels like there's no clear direction. And ultimately, like clearing out some of those contracts would have been helpful, not even for next year, but like you think about like the repercussions for like 2023 when like the Bears potentially, if they did everything right, could be a contender again if Fields is the guy. You know, it's the whole hypothetical thing with the rookie quarterback on the third year of a deal not offloading these pieces now are going to have repercussions. You have to think back to when the bears were trying to run it back with this, you know, trying to, to build something in 2018 and they made all these decisions in 2019 and 2020, you know, pace moved money around, gave up assets. You know, you can even say things like trading up to get Justin Fields, which ultimately I'm, I'm never going to complain about, but you know, you're not tanking for a first round pick. I think currently if the draft started today, the Giants would have the 11th overall pick from us, which is very ironic because that's the pick we use to get Justin Fields from the Giants. Um, saw that tweet today. Um, but, you know, this is this is a GM coach combo duo that is trying to prove that they can win games with this roster. They are trying to show Bears ownership that, hey, you know, we don't really need to make any moves. We don't need to gut this roster we have the pieces that we, you know, we, we made the playoffs last year. We were eight and eight, like, you know, we're going to add, you know, we're going to add guys, you know, that we need and we're going to, you know, bring in a veteran quarterback and then draft the quarterback that we want. And we're going to still be able to contend. And unfortunately right now at three and five, the Bears could still make the wild card. Like that's, that's ultimately the thing. This team has no sense of direction the roster is completely depleted. I keep using the word. It's so front heavy. It's so front loaded. And it is there's injuries right now. You know, hopefully guys are going to be coming back soon, but they're three and five and still able to potentially contend for a wild card spot. And that's what's so frustrating is we could see the bears sneak in as a seven seed and get smoked in the first round of the playoffs again, and no change be made because, Hey, the bears were a playoff team again. So no moves at the deadline again, not that surprising. Uh, you know, again, we did talk about Alan Robinson a little bit on Twitter today, Joe. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people chimed in their thoughts as well. This Bears roster is going to be depleted in 2022. And ultimately, there was opportunities to maybe fix that a little bit. And, you know, maybe the Bears just didn't have any offers that were worth making. And that's fine. But ultimately, I just think this is a, a GM and a head coach that are still trying to prove that they should have their jobs and are on the hot seat. And, you know, not really that surprising that no moves were made, but uh, you know, it's the incompetence of the bears that we all know and love. So definitely frustrating, but not really that surprising. There's two ways to look at this. Now I'm going to start with Allen Robinson because you could argue this, that everyone knows, look, it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Allen Robinson's out of on his way out of Chicago. This is someone that you're looking at right now through what eight games is what 27, 28 receptions. That's basically shaping up to be his worst season in a Bears uniform since 2018. And again, 2018, if you don't remember, he was a bit slower because he was coming off the torn ACL. But the point I think is, is that it's like the Bears and Jordan Schultz kind of tweeted this that, and I can tell you guys right now, Schultz is a legitimate source for information. Kind of what happened is they, he tweeted, he's just like, the Bears aren't trading A-Rob anytime soon. And I knew going into today that absolutely no moves were going to be made. I knew that the market for these players was going to be relatively dry. The reason that I bring that up simply because is this, is because if you look at Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks is, in, is look, he, he's in a contract year, right? 
His contract's going to expire at the end of the year. Odds are the Bears are probably going to want to bring him back. But then it's also going to be, if you're going to want too much money, you're not going to be back. And I think that Akeem Hicks doesn't want to leave either. But the point I'm making is this, is that Akeem Hicks was probably the most tradable guy on the roster today, simply because if there's a team like the LA Chargers, for example, that believes... Akeem Hicks is one of the final pieces for a Super Bowl run. A team like the Chargers would give up that piece or a couple trade chips here and there, some draft picks to go ahead and trade for Akeem Hicks, which is totally fine. You look at Allen Robinson, A-Rob would have made sense for a team like the Miami Dolphins or the New England Patriots, teams that just need that really good number one receiver to go ahead and stabilize the passing game. But ultimately, when you look at the Bears not making any moves, I think this was more so of Ryan Pace kind of doubling down on his entire stance about the roster. You're looking at most of this roster was around last season and was in that wild card game against the Saints and endured that six-game losing streak. This, I think, not making any moves was pretty much Ryan Pace saying, yeah, you know what? So big deal, some of our guys are injured. Big deal, we've lost three straight, four against NFC teams this season. We're going to go ahead and we're just going to stay confident in this roster. I'm going to be confident in the roster that I assembled. I'm going to stay confident because I believe that Matt Nagy is the guy to turn things around. And so ultimately, when you look at this entire thing, what you're basically looking at and understanding is that you have to understand is Ryan Pace is incredibly confident in this roster. And that's totally fine. But then you also have to know, realize, and understand that there's a time to be confident in your roster and there's a time that isn't. And so we could look back at this and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe the bears just kept Allen Robinson around for the remaindering of the season, the remainder of the year, simply to allow Justin Fields to have another solid weapon so that Justin Fields can develop, even though Robinson's going to walk in 2022. Maybe the bears are looking at this and saying, yeah, you know what? The offers we got were good, but they weren't necessarily what we wanted. But I think, even that would kind of be a stupid stance because what you're going to be looking at is basically a team that doesn't have a first or a fourth round pick in 2022. Ryan Pace absolutely sucks with third round picks. And so you're going to be forced to rely on what second and third round picks as well as some fifth, sixth and seventh round picks to go ahead and add to this roster. And it's, Oh, go ahead. So, Sorry, I thought you were done. Yeah, last point I'm going to make here, Herfy Herf, is that ultimately when you look at this, it's like Ryan Pace decided to sit on his hands, even though the phones may have been ringing at Hallis Hall. No, I, I get so heated the idea that we kept Allen Robinson for many reasons. I'm probably arguably his biggest hater out of anybody in the Bears fan base. But besides that point, we're having Justin Fields take his time, develop chemistry with his wide receiver just for him to walk. He doesn't want to be here. He has no intention of wanting to be with the Bears. He has shown, obviously, he doesn't care. He gives up on routes. He doesn't block on the outside. He does not care. He doesn't want to be here. So why are we wasting time to have Justin Fields develop the wide receiver, who is a, a, a good wide receiver at that, who's going to be gone next year? Like he's, It's just going to hurt his development. He's going to have a, no, a new number one come in next year. He's going to have to develop brand new chemistry with. So why not put the younger guys in? We know the season's over. Throw in Daz Newsome. Bring Daz Newsom up. Let him develop chemistry with a guy who's one of the few guys who's actually under contract for the next few years. Daz Newsom, Darnell Mooney, just those two, basically. If Newsom still is under his technical rookie contract, even though he's on a practice spot, I don't know how that exactly works. But regardless, they have to have a plan for him. So I just don't understand why he's still here. And again, I I do not like having Al Robinson here for multiple reasons. Like I've said, doesn't block on the outside, gives up on a rouse, doesn't seem to care is definitely content with not playing well, obviously, and hasn't 
doesn't seem like he's trying to do much better. Like he doesn't separate his one ability is jump ball. And anytime he's caught the ball, these past few past few games, he just slips on the ground and starts rolling. Like he did yesterday, uh, two days ago. Like just don't see a point of keeping him on this roster at that point. Like cut your losses on him, get some trade value out of him. There are teams that need wide receivers bad right now. The Baltimore Ravens best receivers are rookie. And again, I love that rookie, but they could use another weapon. Kansas City Chiefs definitely need some more help. Like they have Tyree Kill, yes, but outside of that, Travis Kelsey hasn't looked the same the past few weeks. After that, Miko Hardman, Byron Pringle, like they need help too. There are tons of teams competing right now that could use a wide receiver one, wide receiver two type of player that's a possession jump ball guy. Bears should take advantage of that. I just I just can't wait till the Bears pay Juju Smith Schuster $80 million next year to be a bear. Um in all seriousness, though. <clears throat> I think it's funny that you say like the season's over and stuff like, cause you know, we're three and five, but like, again, the NFC, the last two playoff spots are still open. And this is a bears team that has snuck in with mediocrity and can do it again. Um, and that's ultimately the thing. Like, it's like, this is a team that is not good enough to be a contender, but they could definitely sneak into the playoffs again. And, and that's, what's so frustrating is there is no clear sense of direction and you look at these opportunities to move players like Allen Robinson, which like <clears throat> I'm still a fan of Allen Robinson overall. I like him as a player. I definitely agree with some of the points you made. Like this year has not been a good year for him. And there definitely is kind of clearly a lack of motivation. Um, but I don't think it's all necessarily on him. I, I mean, again, ultimately, I just don't think the communication and the chemistry with Fields is there yet. And I don't know how soon that's going to be, you know, if that's ever going to be a reality, but you know, it's not even just him. There's so many opportunities that the bears could have made, but I just think that Ryan pace has his hand tied and, and is trying to prove that he can still build a good roster. And ultimately his, his ace in his hand is Justin Fields. Like if fields continues to progress, he can still kind of be like, I need more time to build this roster around fields. And yeah, obviously I wish the bears could have gotten some value out of Allen Robinson today, but maybe there was just nothing better that was available. I mean, he hasn't had that good of a year and that ultimately arises an issue. I'm not going to get into the speculation of it anymore. Uh, ultimately, it would have been nice to see the Bears make some moves, but oh well, didn't happen. So Sam, you mentioned something that directly ties into our next point, which is basically this, and I'll go to Joe first, but Joe, tell me what's the theme for the Bears with the first half of the season finish? Because it's like, when you look at this team, I mean, Sam alluded to it just a moment ago. It's like they're the they're good enough to hang around, but they're not good enough to be a title contender. But then they're not bad enough to fully blow it up either because you know they're always going to be a tough, scrappy team that's in games. You know what the Bears are like, and this is going to be a really funny analogy. They're like the kid in your high school class that you know is there, that you know exists, but just can't hang around or just does not want to hang around everybody else. That's like what the bears are. And you're not sure what to make of that specific person specifically because they're just so different. I mean, so Joe, what's the theme for the bears with the first half of the season finished? Um, hmm. Well, can easily say no offense. Definitely. That's a pretty common theme. We just always, or if it keeps going this year, it seems like it's going to keep going that way this year. We're just going to keep running the ball, no passing game whatsoever, um, and just Matt Nagy being incompetent. I mean, it's just not going to be fun to see this for the next uh, next half of the season. It's going to be rough. I don't know how I'm going to bear with it if we 
don't get rid of Nagy. We it's just it's so frustrating to see what he's doing to this team, what he's doing to the talent on this roster. He's making everybody look bad, and that's it's been the you can't even say it's the theme for this half season, theme for the past few seasons. Wasted talent being wasted by a bad coach. I uh, I call kind of the idea of being lost in space, no direction, just kind of floating, just kind of existing. Um, it is very frustrating, and I've talked about it a few times today, but you know, you look at the NFC playoff picture, the first kind of four or five playoff seeds are pretty much established. Then after that, you're looking at maybe the Saints claiming the sixth seed. Um, teams like the Vikings, the Panthers, the Falcons are all going to be kind of potentially in the running. Um, and the Bears are definitely in there. They're still definitely in the playoff hunt. Um, on the one hand, if the Bears snuck into the playoffs, I think it'd be good experience for Justin Fields just to like experience a playoff game. On the other hand, if the Bears go eight and nine, like if they're able to somehow stay close to 500, the naggy pace re- regime might stay. And that would be very frustrating because I ultimately think that Fields is going to get there and he is going to start taking and continuing to take big steps like he did on Sunday. But I don't think it's going to be Nagy that's going to get the full potential out of him. And I don't think it's going to be Pace that can build the roster. So it's very frustrating because I wish there was a more clear sense of direction. Like my biggest thing is I just want to see the rookie quarterback get better. And I want to see if other pieces can get better you know, the, you know, this Bears 2021 draft class is going to be important because the Bears are going to have so many players not on a contract next year. You know, we got to see Larry Borum get his first start last weekend, and I didn't think he was that bad. He only let up one sack against Joey Bosa. That's not that bad. I think he had a decent passing grade as well. Um, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, Khalil Herbert, we kind of are starting to realize what we have in Khalil Herbert. I'm excited to see what he looks like with Dave Montgomery. You know, there are definitely – at this point, for me, it's kind of like evaluating the pieces who can actually be long-term guys for the Bears, who can be weapons for Justin Fields, what pieces on the defense can the Bears continue to try to maybe rebuild around, you know, guys like Jalen Johnson, hopefully a Roquan Smith extension is coming at the end of the season. Um, but right now, it just feels like we're lost and drifting in space. See, my whole thing is this is I live tweet some of this podcast out because that's just me processing stuff and going boom, 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 because my brain's always on and I always need to be working. But like my I think my theme for the second half of the season, this is kind of a mix of both of what you guys said. And it's basically see what you have, see what you don't have. Okay. Set yourself up in 2022 to know. And Sam, you talked about a front loaded roster earlier. Look, you could sit here right now and if you were to Take out the 2021 Bears roster. You go through the entire thing and highlight, okay, who's guaranteed a roster spot in 2022? Who isn't guaranteed a roster spot in 2022? And those names would, odds are that half of the team this year, so right around 25, 30, 35 players, would basically be guaranteed a roster spot next season. Because this is such a front-loaded roster. But my biggest thing is also seeing, hey, what depth do you have? Because let's just be honest. I mean, the 2018 Bears were the most, probably the deepest roster that we had seen since the tail end of the Lovey Smith era, which was like 2010, 11, and 12. 
All right. It's just like this team has absolutely zero depth. There's players there like Alex Bars that have a lot of potential, but then ultimately the issue comes down to the coaching staff decides to start Lacavia Simmons and Arlington Hambright over Alex Bars, which I think is an incredibly stupid move. You're seeing Sam Mustafer struggle. And if you take Sam Mustafer out of the starting lineup, there is going to be some kind of shuffling that needs to take place because there's no really strong center behind Sam Mustafer that could slide in right away and be a really good player that would unless you're going to count Cody White here as the second string center, which he's not, he's technically the first string center. So ultimately when you look at this whole thing, it's just like my theme is, okay, see what depth you have because you know who your starters are going to be next season for the most part. You know you're starting five, four or five on the offensive line is going to be relatively the same. You know that your starting wide receivers are going to be Darnell Mooney, maybe Goodwin and Bird are back. You look at the tight end room, that's pretty set for next season. Running back, they're obviously set for the next couple seasons. You know what you have at quarterback, but hey, who are going to be your starters on the defensive side of the ball who's going to be what are the depth pieces that you're going to have and I think that that's what the Bears really have to look at is the second half of the season whatever the eight nine games that are left it's not just about the development of Justin Fields that's obviously the overarching theme of this season but you also have to look and see okay what are the pieces that we can use to build around fields, but then just build out the rest of the roster in general? Because it's just like things are going to start and end with Justin Fields, but you also have to take into consideration that there's 52, 53 other players on the roster that are going to need to be accounted for. And so look at what talent and look at what depth you have and then beef the roster up from there. Because you're going to have to add depth to cornerback, to middle linebacker, possibly to defensive line, depending on whether or not Angelo Blackson and Mario Edwards are back and Akeem Hicks is moved. You're going to have to add talent to middle linebacker, knowing that Trevathan and Ogletree are getting older. Adding a quality pass rusher or two outside of Sam Kamara and Charles Snowden might just be the move with Robert Quinn likely on his way out. Adding some talent to the safety room because I don't think Tashawn Gibson should be back. I'm not so sure Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson are starting caliber safeties. Adding those players would actually be worth it. No, no, like- oh, go no, go no you go ahead, Sam. All right. I actually was going to allude to a point that you had brought up earlier. There are definitely guys in the practice squad where if the Bears continue to lose games and it's clear that they're not going to try to make a playoff push, they should activate. You mentioned Daz Newsom earlier. I would love to see how he's developed in the practice squad. You know, obviously, uh, you know, the Bears also have their other six-round pick in Thomas Graham Jr. Would love to see him get some runs at nickel cornerback. Um, you, you know, there's definitely project players that the Bears could activate, see how they play you know, and just kind of go from there. And, you know, that's obviously very wishful thinking. You're hoping that like your practice squad players can, can be long-term pieces, but it's not the craziest thought. I mean, I know we obviously talk about him a lot on this podcast, but Jesper Horstead practice squad player last year, and is now a active special teams contributor and Justin Fields first ever uh, NFL career touchdown. So as funny as that is, you never know what you have, you know, within the depths of your roster, um, and ultimately this is going to be a bears roster that is going to be very, very depleted in 2022. It'll be interesting to see if it is pace, if it's not pace, what moves are made. Um, you know, the bears are going to have some cap space to work with, but are also going to have a lot of dead cap that they're going to have to deal with because they push so much money around with people's contracts to rework and retool rosters and contracts. So, you know, definitely when you're looking ahead to 2022, it's going to be very interesting to see what the bears do, but. You know, uh, I've kind of said my thoughts about where I feel about this season. And, uh, 
you know, Monday night's game will also kind of give us another step in the direction of who this Bears team may or may not be. Yeah, I like that you basically went back to what I was saying because I was going to bring that up myself. Like, we do need to see the kind of talent that isn't getting the time to play. Like, even even just on our active roster, like, why not play Jesper Horstead more? Why not play Jesse James more? Why not play some of these other offensive line more? Why not Why not shake up the offensive line? Like, I've, I've been saying this for, for weeks now. If it's not working, change it up. Like, it's obvious the offensive line obviously isn't working with Sam Musk for a center. It's obviously struggling. Why not move Cody Whitehair back to center, put Alex Bars in at guard? Maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't, but at least you tried. Like, it showed you gave an effort to kind of see if anything helps at all. Like, and the biggest issue with, like, a lot of people complain about Whitehair was his snapping ability. Mustafer's muffed, like, a few snaps already this season, too, so you can't even say that. And Mustafer's getting absolutely manhandled by these bigger nose, by these bigger nose guards and these other defensive linemen. Even, even edge rushers are manhandling him. Like, I can't remember. I think it was the Bucks game where one of their edges lined up on the middle and just absolutely plowed through him. Like, you're a center, dude. This is an edge rusher. You should be able to handle him pretty easily unless he's stunting. Obviously, that's different. But he was running straight at him, and he bull rushed him. Like, shake it up. Like, change something up. See what you have on the practice squad. I love that you brought up T- Thomas Graham because, obviously, we're having a struggle right now with the cornerback position. Thomas Graham, Graham playing right now, this would be a perfect time for him to get onto the field. Why not? Like, why not? What, what's it going to do? We're already going to lose. Like, for playing some of these teams, we're going to get blown out by. Why not try it? Yeah, because, well, making a switch. Look, Sam Mustafa is a good run blocking center. He's just not a good pass blocking center. He just doesn't have the functional strength or the athleticism to fight off some of these bigger defensive linemen. My whole thing is this is cut Marquee Christian because you have zero guaranteed money on his contract. Promote Thomas Graham Jr. Let him get those necessary reps to continue developing him. Now, here's the thing, okay, is that all this sounds great and all, but it's just like this coaching staff, this front office, they're not going to make smart decisions, okay? That's what it comes down to every single day, all right? It's just like if you want to talk about terrible decisions being made, well, just go back and look at the Bucks game. I mean, literally... I don't know why Locavia Simmons was even starting over a guy in Alex Bars that had basically eight starts last year, six of which came uh, at right guard or right tackle. But, Joe, I think it's a favorite time of the week. I mean, forget about the theme for the Bears 2021 season. Hit us with your weekly hot take, and then, Sam, let's discuss that and then follow it up with your socks up and down for the week. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know what to do these hot takes anymore. It's like I, I can't hit on any of them, so... Um, I, I was gonna say that we'd get absolutely gashed. Like my, my basic hot take was that the Steelers are put the most points they have this season against us. Um, especially if Eddie Jackson's out and Clomax projected to be out again as well. I believe I'm not sure. Do you, do you guys actually know? Did he get put on IR officially? I, I heard that was a rumor. I never heard if that actually happened. No, he didn't. So we're good there. Okay. I if if Clomac doesn't play this week, my hot take I, okay, so this varies on Clomac. If Clomac does not play this week. My bet is the Steelers put up the most points they have this season. The most points they have put up this season is 27. I believe it was on the Denver Broncos. So I believe they put up at least 28 on us with Khalil Mack out. Um, if Khalil Mack's playing, um, I believe we get back on track then when it comes to sacks. I know those tackles in Pittsburgh are a little questionable. So with Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack both in there potentially this week, if that happens, then I believe we get at least three sacks. That would be my hot take then. If Klomak plays. So double and sorted, because again, we talked about earlier how major it is Klomak is this defensive player or not. So 
there's definitely a big difference in terms of how much that affects my hot take if he's playing or not. Yeah, I can go with that. I mean, we discussed this already earlier on the show. It's just like, as I lean back in my chair here, because I'm so tired, okay, is that like this defense looked absolutely lost without Khalil Mack because there was absolutely no tone setter. So I do think that if Khalil Mack plays, the Bears actually have a significant chance of being able to compete in this game against the Steelers. I mean, look, the Steelers are going to come out. They're going to be better coach. We'll get to that in just a moment here. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, I like your take about Colonial Mack. I just hope it, this is actually a hot take that succeeds because you've been like, what, 0 for 6 since week 2? But, Sam, what do you think of Mr. Herb's hot take? I think uh, it's hotter than last week's. Um, I think ultimately um, – I, I don't know if Khalil Mack is gonna is gonna play or not. Like I, it, it's one of those things where it's like kind of like a if then sort of thing. But I, I like it more than your take last week. Your take last week was like lukewarm oatmeal. This one's like <laughs> oil, like coffee that spilled on your shirt, but like you let it sit in the car for a few minutes beforehand, so it's not like it's that hot, but it's kind of hot. I like this one a lot better. Well, thank you. Didn't put as much thought into this one. Just kind of looked at their overall schedule this past season, saw their saw what their average scores were on offense, and I was like, you know what? I bet if they play against the Bears, Najee Harris is going to absolutely gash us, and you know our secondary is going to, as usual, get exposed. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, I'm going to say this is that the Steelers team isn't as good as Steelers teams were used to in years past. But then also, they're going to find a way to be competitive. But Sam, give me stock up, stock down going into week nine. All righty. So stock up. Uh, Justin Fields uh, obviously had a much better performance this uh, past weekend. I think took a big step in terms of his development. Uh, had the most rushing yards by a Bears quarterback since 1972. Um, I think that he looked a lot better. I think he was starting to get the ball out a lot quicker. Definitely made a few mistakes. But ultimately, I think he had a very solid game. Definitely kept us in the game. And of course, that fourth quarter run. Uh, for that touchdown was unbelievable. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, a stock up for Justin Fields. I think he is going to be able to continue to grow and develop. Uh, I think he can definitely keep us in the Steelers game. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think this is a Steelers team that that the Bears can can play with. But I also thought about that last week. Um, stock down, Cole Komet. I know we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Um, and, and and I and look, I I don't hate Cole Komet. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying that he doesn't provide value to this team. But ultimately, when you draft a guy that early uh, in the 2020 draft and he's not producing more in the passing game, I, I just think that's a little bit frustrating. You know, when you get outpaced by a guy like Jesse James and, you know, even guys like Jesper Horstead, I think that's a little embarrassing. I'm not saying I'm slandering Cole Komet. I, I know people definitely have negative thoughts on Cole Komet. Um, I just think right now he's just not really that big of a factor in the passing game. And he just has no chemistry with Justin Fields right now. And, you know, there was the drop in the end zone. I know there could have maybe been a pass interference call there, but he's just very inconsistent and he always kind of makes mistakes in key moments of games. You know, we talk about that third, uh, you know, a potential third down conversion against the the bucks that he could have had that could have swung the momentum of the game. And, and maybe, maybe not, it would have happened, but I just, for right now, I'm keeping my eyes on him. Hopefully, he bounces back this week. But if we're talking about stocks, I would not invest in Cole Komet right now. 
Yeah, Cole Komet's kind of, well, he's gotten more involved in the passing game over the last couple of weeks, but then again, he just hasn't had kind of that second year leap that a lot of people thought he was going to have. And then you go into the summer and you're like, okay, the Bears coaching staff's hyping this kid up. Again, I'm not going to say Cole Komet's been a complete disappointment, but then again, Cole really hasn't performed like the first tight end taken. Because if you remember that 2020 tight end class, I mean, a lot of people deemed Cole Komet to be basically a third or fourth round pick. And people were saying, hey, we're not going to go ahead and draft the tight end because it is a significantly weaker class. But what do you think, Joe? I love Cole Komet, so that hurts me. But I, I understand why people don't like him. I mean, he isn't flashy by any means. I, I know I saw a tweet on the timeline today about Cole Komet, and I completely agreed with it. He's he's on pace to do his like do a similar uh, similar career line or career arc of uh, Kyle Rudolph, which is kind of what I've compared him to. He's very very similar. Both Notre Dame tight ends, both very physical big tight ends that aren't unbelievable freak agile tight ends that everybody loves in the NFL these days, but they they get the job done. They're big and physical and they make those contested catches and they plow through defenses every time they have the ball in their hands. So um, I can understand why it's stocked down right now, because again, every, technically everybody's stocked down on the offense right now, but he's definitely one of them for sure. Cause again, we did expect him to take a bigger step. So I understand that I again, can't complain. It's a, it's a fair, it's a fair take. And I want to cheer for Cole Komet. I like Cole Komet, and he definitely brings value. I just think ultimately you're hoping that he can kind of take the next step and be like, you know, the Travis Kelsey to Justin Fields, Patrick Mahomes, and it just hasn't been the case. And I'm not saying he's on the same level as Travis Kelsey. I'm just making the comparison there. I just think ultimately when you're getting outplayed by guys like Jesse James, who was a preseason star and an undrafted rookie from a few years ago and Jesper Horstad. It's definitely kind of a look yourself in the mirror. You know, this I'm hoping he bounces back against the Steelers, but you know, that's just he's just knocked down right now. I could put a lot of players right now on this, but he's just the one guy that I just feel like he's just his production hasn't been amazing. I like that he's getting more involved in the passing game, but also like, you know, Jimmy Graham did have COVID. But regardless, uh hoping to bounce back, but stock up. I'm really excited to see what Justin Fields does against the Steelers. Yeah, I am as well. I'm actually surprised you didn't say that Khalil Herbert's a guy with his stock up because he certainly is a candidate too. And See, there's the on. hold on. You want to know why I didn't say him? Why? Um, because I want to see how he plays if David Montgomery potentially plays on Monday Night Football. Yeah, good point. Is he projected to be back by then? I I'm not sure if he. I think we'll know on Wednesday with the injury reports and stuff. I don't know if he's getting activated this week. But the only I obviously think Khalil Herbert's definitely a candidate. I don't know if I picked him last week. I think I might have. I think you did too. Or the okay. week before, I can't remember. Um, but regardless, I, I want to see Herbert's performance if Montgomery plays Monday night. I want to see what happens. Is he going to be involved? Is he going to take over Damian Williams reps? Because I could see the Bears totally forgetting about him. I could see him, I could see them throwing him back at kick returner and saying good riddance, by the way. Which I hope they don't do, but I could see the Bears doing it. It would be a very Bears thing to do. I can agree. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are very Bears things to do. Before we get out of this thing, I mean, Sam, I'm going to go to you first. What are you expecting on Monday night against the Steelers? Give me a quick score prediction, too. Um, hopefully a game where the offense can continue to develop with Justin Fields. Um, you know, a win before the bye week would be nice. Uh, I think the Bears bye week is after the Steelers game. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Right? And then they You're right. 
Yep. Uh, fun fact, Bears are 0-3 after the bye week uh, under Matt Nagy. Oh, Don't no. say about that. So a win against the Steelers would be kind of nice. Uh, I, I'd rather not see the Bears lose back-to-back games in the span of three weeks, um, considering that the bye weeks can be very boring. Um, but it'll be a good opportunity to just sit down and watch Red Zone without any sort of emotional investment to the games. But uh, I think this is a Bears, uh, Steelers team that the Bears can beat. Um, I know I definitely was very uh, negative the past few weeks, and rightfully so. The Bears have yet to, uh, you know, win a game in a few weeks. But, um, you know, I think that uh, this is a Bears offense that I think is going to continue to progress a little bit. I'm not expecting 30 points. I don't think the Bears can do that. Um, But I think with how the way Cairo Santos is playing, and I think ultimately this is a Steelers matchup that the Bears can win, um, I'm going to be positive this week. Give me Bears 24, Steelers 20. Ooh, that would be that would be very nice. I'm I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'm still still negative. Uh, I think the Steelers team is pretty pretty hot, pretty happy off their win over the Browns last week. Um, they absolutely shut down that offense again. Their, their entire team is pretty banged up in general, but still they had Nick Chubb playing, Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham. Like they they had their guys still playing outside of like Kareem Hunt. I don't know if Jarvis Landry played. I didn't watch the game exactly, but they still had those type of players in and. Steelers still won. Steelers, I mean, they've had some solid ones. They beat the Seahawks again. It was, it was Geno Smith. So the Seahawks, um, I believe, or was that was that when Geno Smith came back? I'm not sure if that was the game Geno Smith came into. But regardless, um, I think that the Bears' offense stays about the same. I think they, I mean, they put up 20 some points against a horrid 49ers defense right now. That's really banged up. So I think the Steelers kind of hold them and don't give up a ton. I think the final score ends up being like 17 to 13 Steelers. Very low scoring, very boring game. Nothing crazy happens. Um, and we just get, we just pull our hairs out knowing that we're down by only a few points, but it feels like we're down by three touchdowns. Fair enough. But spot on analysis. Fellows, listen, for me, this game's going to come down to basically two things coaching and execution. Okay. And what do the Steelers do real well? Well, they're very well coached, but they also execute very well. Those two things go hand in hand. I don't know whether Matt Nagy is going to be out there on the sidelines. So I'm going to pick the Steelers in this one. I'm going to say Steelers 24, Bears 17. The reason being is this is because are we going to see more shades of progress from Justin Fields in the Bears offense? Yeah, absolutely. But then again, it's just like this team, again, they can't play mistake-free football. They need to play mistake-free football, but there's so much that's left out there on the field. The Steelers are going to simply execute better and just coach themselves better throughout the rest of the game to warrant beating the Bears. I mean, right now, when you beat a team like the Browns that a lot of people thought was going to be Super Bowl contender, the Steelers escape by five points. But hey, guess what? Let's be honest. I mean... That's still going to be something that gives you a lot of momentum. People also tend to forget that playing against Pittsburgh on a Monday night is not an easy environment to play in. It's a very tough environment. So give me the Steelers in this one over the Bears. I think this losing streak is going to continue. Now, the positive news is that the Bears are going to have basically a week or about just about two weeks between week nine and then week 11 to kind of fully get healthy for games against the Ravens and Lions, which are going to take place on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Joe, I'll go to you on this one. I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. I mean, we definitely, I don't know. We, we're going to need this bye week pretty bad. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to do anything. It's going to be nice that this bye week kind of recover from some of these injuries that are going to be coming back. David Montgomery, Mac, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know what's going to happen after that. I, I Again, 
I'm just kind of playing it by week at this point. I don't really want to think about what's going to happen for these next few weeks. I'm just going to go into every game, playing it one game at a time, knowing that we're probably going to lose and the Bears are just going to make me more upset. And it doesn't help that the Bears play the Ravens after the bye week, uh, which is, you know, this Ravens team is solid and I think are going to give the Bears a challenge. But we can't really focus that far into the future. Right now we're Steelers on Monday night. But I'll be honest, I think this is a Steelers team that the Bears can beat. But, uh, you know, I forgot my hopes up before and ultimately they've been crushed. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think I definitely agree. I think this is a game the Bears could absolutely be out coached in. But, you know, I think if the defense can can take a step forward, not a huge step, but, you know, do the whole, kind of whole bend, don't break mentality and we get another decent performance from fields, this is a winnable game. Yeah, it's weird because 49ers and Pittsburgh are both winnable games that the Bears can certainly win and could have really changed the trajectory of the season. Hopefully Khalil Mack is back and playing because if that's the case, then you know what? The chance to beat the Steelers just significantly increased. But like Sam said, just live in the moment. Take it day by day. Listen, we're going to do the same thing here at Fireside Bears. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Check out our parent company, Empire Sports Media. Tell your friends that are Giants, Jets, Islanders, Yankees fan, New York sports fans, go check out Empire Sports Media. All right, make sure you're following myself, Sam and Joe on Twitter at Usaid Koshal, at Chai Sports Sam and at Joseph Herf NFL. Check out our YouTube channel too, guys. Myself and Max Smith are on there twice a week dropping game recaps as well as game previews. But bear down, peace out. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you may be. It's been a pleasure having you join us this week. Bear down, we're going to get out of here. See you guys next next week. Bear down. Bear down.